Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Do you like me and my lift? Please tell me by writing a short review of the show in iTunes and leaving me some gold stars. It helps others to find their way here too. I like gold stars. Can I have lots? Pretty please? Leave me stars and reviews at itunes.victoriaslift.com Hello, this is Daniel Foytek and welcome to Season 3, Episode number 2 of The Lift. Before we get to the story, as always, a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Your support helps keep the show coming. Without your support, we really couldn't afford to keep making the show. A lot of time and money goes into making the lift, and we rely fully on our Patreon supporters to make the show a sustainable thing. Your support allows us to continue to collaborate with others and keep making the show you love. Plus, once we hit certain goals, we can cover all our costs and afford to make more than one episode per month. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Victoria's Lift. Victoria does need your help to keep her lift running. Lastly, a big thank you to those who took the time to rate the show five stars and write nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help others find the show, and of course, we love knowing what we make is special to you. Today we have a story by one of your favorite returning authors, the very talented Gwendolyn Keist. Gwendolyn's debut collection of short works entitled And Her Smile Will Untether the Universe was a finalist for the 2017 Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in a Fiction Collection. It's a great collection of beautifully written short tales that you definitely want to own. You can get your copy at Amazon.com in Kindle and paperback. Now, we'll let Gwendolyn say hello, and then we'll let Victoria take us for a ride. Hello. This is Gwendolyn Keist, and I'm the writer for today's episode of The Lift, Moving Day. If you enjoy this story, you can find more of my work at GwendolynKeist.com. Find more episodes of The Lift at Victoria'sLift.com. I have lost so much. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. I can never again be the little girl I was. Will you accept your fate? I have my music box and a library lost, but I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the lift. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Are you almost ready, Mom? Maria's voice rises up like smoke behind me. My back aching. I turn around slowly. And there she stands in the kitchen doorway, her light hair falling in her eyes, 
her whole face beaming as though this is a normal day. Ever since she was a child, my daughter has never stopped smiling, has never stopped pretending everything is okay, even when nothing at all is all right. I lean against the counter and hesitate. Maybe just give me a minute, I say at last. But what I need a minute for is anybody's guess. We're nearly done here. The boxes are already packed. My whole life retired inside flimsy cardboard walls. Oh, it's going to be great, Mom, Maria keeps saying, as if she's trying to convince herself. So chipper, that girl. That's how she's always been, ever since she was a little pigtailed thing of three, squealing and running down the hallway. Always running to her father, never running to me. Not that I can blame her. He was better at this living stuff. He was better at the dying stuff, too. That's how I ended up in this predicament. A wife without a husband. I'm a tiny checkbox on a survey. Not single, not married, but widowed. What a joy aging is. I'll also soon be a woman without a house. This is the plan now, to send me off somewhere more suitable. An apartment a quarter size of this place where I once built what looked like a life. But a smaller residence will be easier to care for, they all claim. They being Maria and her husband Brian. Even my neighbors, the few I still speak to, keep telling me that. You'll love it somewhere more modest, they say. And I can't help but wonder if they just want me somewhere far from them. The perpetually dour lady next door. The move is apparently easier for everyone who isn't me. Maria inches further into the room and runs her fingers along a peeling edge of the wallpaper. I know what she's doing. She's imagining how she'd fix this place if I let her. And if I did let her, if I was staying, she'd do this house upright. She has an impeccable designer's eye. That's what she does for a living. Makes people's houses feel like homes. And damn if she isn't good at it. Sometimes, I think all the time she spent honing her skills is the one thing I gave her. But it was a trade-off. The only time I ever offered her a piece of advice was probably the harshest thing I could have said. Don't have kids. I told her on the day of her high school graduation. Focus on your dreams instead. It was a kind of betrayal, and I knew it. Telling her not to do as I did, not to have a daughter like her. But she listened to me, and it's paid off. She has a career that means the world to her, a life that brings her joy. At least I did something for her. It's hard to measure my contributions to her. 
I was never the one who dropped the bright red apple in a canvas lunch sack, or signed the permission slips for field trips, or dried her tears when she cried over the latest disposable boyfriend. That was what James was good at. A father who served the role of both parents. He was able to relate to her, to just sit and talk for hours, the same way he could sit and talk to anyone. And then there was me, the sullen one, always in the shadows at parties or hiding out in the kitchen, where I never did get the hang of cooking. Nobody ever understood what he saw in me. I wasn't ever sure myself. But whatever it was he saw, he saw it in spades. Don't worry, Gabriella. He would whisper and pull me close. You're just not like the other mothers. Nothing wrong with that. For years, he held me up. Gave me purpose. Made me better, if that was possible. But now he's gone. And this house is empty. My life is empty. I should want to leave here. To run and never look back. But that's not how I feel at all. Instead, I want to stay forever. I want to pretend I can hold on to my life. Even if it's now become less than a mirage. How do you think you'll decorate your new apartment? Maria asks absently. Earth tones or something brighter? More pastel? Me with pastels. What a ridiculous notion. I don't answer her. In this moment, there's nothing left I want to say. So I hold my breath until my chest aches. Her eyebrows twisted. Maria looks up from the aged wallpaper. Mom, I asked you a question. Please, just go. The words escape my lips before I can stop them. But this is what I'm thinking. Just go. Just leave me here. Don't make me leave the only place I want to stay. Maria doesn't seem to believe what she hears. Mom, I'm just trying to- I don't want you to try. This is all coming easier now. These things I know I shouldn't say. I was always good at speaking aloud the wrong things. I don't want you here at all. This is the truth. The pain washes across my daughter's face because she knows I mean it. She knows that maybe I never wanted her here. Certainly not in these long months since her father's death. Even in the days right after the funeral when she stayed with me, it was too much to have company in the house. Those subtle stirrings in rooms as though I were living with a ghost. And none of it was on my behalf. Maria was staying here then for herself, to mourn in her own way. And I told myself that was fine. I might have wanted to grieve too, but I wouldn't deny her what she needed. What I did want to deny her was how she claimed it was all on my behalf. My mom needs me here. I heard her say on the phone at least a dozen times when she called every person in her life. Like she was the patron saint of her own mother, even when all I wanted was to be alone in my grief. Alone. 
That's all I want now. If I can't be with James, then I just want to be alone. Maria doesn't say another word. She just sniffles, holding back her tears. That familiar smile suddenly gone. Then she turns to the back door and marches through it. Out of the house. Out of my life. She's gone now, and I'm alone. Just like I wanted. It's even lonelier than I thought it would be. I'm sorry, I whisper, and wish she could hear me and know how much I mean it. How sorry I am for everything. But there's no one to hear anything, and there's not much left to do either. I think there might be a few final boxes packed upstairs that I haven't brought down yet. I guess I could do that. My chest tightens as I climb the stairs. I'm getting too old for this up and down. I'm getting too old to still be fighting with my daughter, too. Those final boxes are through the bedroom that used to be hers. Even with my eyes closed, I can still see the faded crayon marks she's left on the walls. Pictures of butter-yellow suns and pink cats and purple dogs. Her childhood daydreams. But today, I won't look, and I won't think about it either. There's nothing but the past here, and what good does the past do for anyone? Inside the closet, the door creaks shut behind me. For an instant, I feel locked within, trapped, but that's foolish. This is my own home, and there are no locks on these doors. Everything is fine. I'm fine. I find the boxes in the corner where I left them. Maria's old school papers, the ones I couldn't part with. Her A-plus tests and art projects crafted with a steady hand. I wish I could say the same about myself. With the boxes in my arms, my own free hand quivers on the knob. It's as though I'm sure the door won't budge. But it has to. Gathering all the lingering strength left in me, I swing open the door. It's like I told myself. It's not locked. Everything is fine. I step through the doorway before I realize it. I'm not in the upstairs bedroom. Instead, I'm in a hallway, long and dusty and dim. This isn't a place I've ever been before. The boxes sag in my arms, and I freeze, dumbfounded for a long moment. This can't be real. I must be in a dream. Or a nightmare. The walls creak around me, and I feel so strange standing still. But where do you go in a place like this? There's no door behind me or anywhere that I can see. Only an elevator at the end of the hall. I walk to it because I've got nothing to lose. 
Soon, I won't even have anything. Not even a home to return to. Perhaps this place is renting apartments. I keep hold of the boxes and myself before I step through the elevator. The doors close behind me. Chimes a sweet voice. I didn't push any buttons in here. There aren't even any buttons to push. Who is this voice? And why did it choose that floor? The elevator lurches to a stop. On the sixth level, presumably. And I hold my breath as the door sputters open. On the other side stands a little girl with blonde pigtails. Hello, Gabriella, she says. I'm so glad we could meet before your big move. I resist the urge to roll my eyes. This is just too much. A weird old place and a weird old elevator, and now this weird little girl. Maybe I've tripped and fallen upstairs with the boxes, and now I'm lying sprawled out on the floor in my home. Bleeding and conjuring up this crazed fever dream. The little girl <laughs> giggles. No, I don't think that's what happened at all. I sigh. So she's not just a weird little girl. She's a weird little girl who's eavesdropping in my head. Fine. I'll play along. So you know my name, I say. But I don't know yours. This is apparently what she was hoping I would ask her, because she flashes me a broad grin. I'm Victoria, she says. Before I can stop myself, I reach out and shake her hand. All very civilized. And why not be polite? This is probably just a hallucination anyhow, and I can extend a few spare manners to see where this excursion in Wonderland ends up. Now that I'm closer to her, I see Victoria clearly for the first time. That smile. Those pale pigtails. She looks so much like Maria when she was young. It's like I'm talking to my daughter. Like this is some kind of second chance. Maybe it is. Victoria beams and folds her hands in front of her with a flourish. Second chances are lovely things, don't you think? I grunt and shake my head. Not as good as first chances that work out, I say. I'd rather not fail at all and end up here. Here. I meant this place. Strange and far-flung as the building must be. But I also mean here, as in me, as in what I've become. Old and alone and morose. Not that I needed to be ancient for that last part. What a shame for Maria to grow up with a mother as distant as me. Victoria takes a step forward. But she never minded. I scowl. Please stop doing that. Victoria's cheeks pinken, and she kicks the floor. Doing what? She asks coyly, listening in on me. Like you've bugged my thoughts or something. It's rude. Victoria smiles again, 
undeterred. I'm starting to get the feeling that she'll be undeterred no matter what I say or do. I don't mean to be rude, she says, but it's not like you'll tell me anything otherwise. That means I'll have to be creative. Creative? I glare at her. Is that what you call it? What else is it? She blushes again, feigning innocence. The ghost in my dream is feigning innocence, like she doesn't know exactly what it is that she's doing. What sort of reverie is this anyway? Everything feels too concrete not to be real. The dust in the air stuffing up my nose. The boxes weighted with the past, too heavy in my arms. This girl, her voice like crystal. Are you a dream? I ask, though I know she can already hear my question. Not exactly, she says. What do you want? To help you. I throw up my hands. What is it with everyone always trying to rescue me? I'd be a whole lot better if I were left on my own. Better in some ways, Victoria says. Lonelier in others. Loneliness isn't always the curse people think it is. You say that. Victoria brushes past me, her fingers trailing the wallpaper. The same way that Maria does. But you wouldn't be all alone. Not if you could choose. No, I say, and have to hold in my tears. I'd have him back, but I don't get that option. Victoria shakes her head sadly. Can't stay the same forever, Gabriella. Life doesn't work that way. But I was happy. What's wrong with staying happy? Not that I ever was very good at being happy. That wasn't my specialty. That was what Maria did so well. Maria, my daughter, the one I always wanted to understand, but never could. Too bright and excitable. All the things that I wasn't. She was an everyday reminder of my own failings. And now she's an everyday reminder of what a burden I've become. That's not true, and you know it! Victoria snaps her tongue, like a scornful schoolteacher. She does her best, you know. I exhale a throaty laugh. <laughs> well, I say, maybe her best isn't good enough. Maybe your best isn't good enough either. This remark is hurled at me before I can prepare for it. My breath seizes in my chest. As I close my eyes and turn Victoria's word over and over in my mind. Maybe I'm not good enough either. A thorn twists deep in my heart. But what she says is fair. And true. And what am I supposed to do about it? I ask finally. Talk to her. The way you want her to talk to you. I open my eyes. I don't even know what I want. Sure you do. Victoria circles me, and watching her spins my head. You want to stay at home, for one. You want a life that's your own. 
And how does that involve Maria? At this, Victoria smiles. I'm sure you can think of a way. It's such a small thing to say, but something stirs deep inside me, and I know beyond reason she's right. I have to think of a way to reach Maria. I have to think of a way before it's too late, and I'm the same as her father, lost to her forever. I inhale, ready to respond to Victoria, to ask for her help. But it's no good. I'm back home, standing in my own kitchen. No more strange building or strange elevator. The boxes from upstairs are still in my arms, and the scent of dust lingers. And not the dust of this house, but from somewhere far away, and far too close at the same time. Behind me, the screen door rattles. I turn, and Maria is standing in the doorway. Don't worry, she says, her nose wrinkled, as she charges across the room to the counter. I'm not staying. I just forgot my purse. I inch a step closer to her. Maria. Just don't. She holds up one hand, and her eyes glisten with all the years of everything I've said. And everything I haven't said, too. You just think you can treat me however you want? That you can shut me out and I won't care? And you think you can make all my decisions for me? That you can swoop in and save me? Oh no, she says ruefully. I never thought I could save you, Mom. I never thought you needed to be saved. We linger in silence for a long moment. The quiet aches inside me as I'm convinced I'll lose her. That she'll walk out the door, and I won't say what I need to say. Then that wind chime voice echoes in my mind. You think of a way. Maria needs me to need her. At last, I breathe in deep for courage. I've changed my mind, I say, about moving. I'm going to stay right here, in this house that's ours. Mother! Maria whines in that childish sing-song. I know what she'll say. We already packed it up. We're ready for what comes next. And she's right. We don't need to unpack, I say. I want to start fresh. Everything new. And you're going to help me. Maria gapes at me. Help you? It's a dubious proposition. After all, I've never asked for my daughter's help once in her whole life. Yes, I say, and smile. I want you to redo the house with me. New decor. New everything. Something for us. Her eyes narrow and everything in her tenses. Are you teasing me? Is that what this is? Not at all. I step forward and take her hands in mine. Will you do this with me? Maria hesitates, weighing my words carefully. Like the offer isn't enough. Like she might say no. 
My heart is held tight in my chest, as I fear I might have already lost my daughter. Then a smile returns to her face. I have so many ideas. She charges from one side of the room to the other, ping-ponging with glee. Her ideas pour out of her, like she's been holding them back all these years. She probably has been. Remove all this old wallpaper first off. It's yellowed, and it looks terrible. Imagine all the mold we'll find. She shivers at the thought as she runs her hands along the cabinets. We'll refinish these, new stain, new trim. The upstairs doesn't need as much work, but oh, my old bedroom. That closet should go, tear out the whole wall. I almost laugh to myself. That closet where I walked through the door and found a little girl with pigtails. Or that little girl found me. Somewhere deep inside the walls comes a tiny giggle. (laughs) This is only for me to hear. Maria's already off in the next room, detailing the exact makeover we're giving to the parlor. Thank you, I say, and smile, before I follow my daughter into the next room, where our future awaits us.